This is the Wrestling Brethren Podcast, a show where professional wrestling and sports entertainment is discussed on a weekly basis. There are big event predictions and talk of what is liked and what is loathed. A show that does not cater to any one promotion, but rather welcomes all enjoyable content. With that in mind, here are Seth Zillman, Jared Aubrey, and Josh Weiner, also known as Xandrax Prime, and your host, Southpaw Josh. Welcome in. This is episode 322, and we will be reviewing the Elimination Chamber, and then we will be discussing what we would do if we had the pencil for one week in both AEW and WWE. But before we can get to all that, Seth, Jarrett, how the hell are you? Well, it's been an interesting week because a lot of what we had loved about wrestling, certainly with WWE, we got a different... um, we got a different presentation, I think, than what we were expecting. And AEW is kind of still in the same boat, so to speak. They still, I mean, I I, I liked Dynamite. I mean, I know we're not going to talk about Dynamite much uh, th- this episode, but uh, it's it's definitely been interesting to uh, watch WWE and listen to the feedback as far as what WWE has done. We'll get into that in our pay-per-view review, though. Do our Canadians love Sami Zayn, or do our Canadians love Sami Zayn? Wow, that was there's there's one thing about having a guy in his hometown, isn't there? Holy smokes! Um, yeah, Seth touched on presentation um, a little bit different than what we, or at least what I expected, anyway, which throws a bit of a curveball into some things. But I'm sure we'll end up discussing those. And uh, yeah, it was a fun ple. And now I've got even more questions about where things are going. So, hey, that's a good thing because now I have to watch every week. So let's do it. I don't know, Jared. I mean, if people in Montreal could just, you know, show a little emotion. I mean, God. (sighs) Oh, you're a funny man. (laughs) (laughs) Jeez. Uh... (laughs) You know, you know, you're on to something when Fox has to fade to black because of FU Roman chance. And you can get away with it on the PLE, but on on national television in prime time, they're not too keen on that. Yeah. <laughs> but a powerful chant nonetheless. Well, and, and you know you're doing the right thing as as the heel too, right? When you're getting those. Right. <laughs> oh no we're cheering roman what are we gonna do f you roman clap 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 <laughs> f you all right we're back on track yep all it took was was one segment right <laughs> well we did have the elimination chamber at the bell center in montreal And we're going to go through this as quickly as we possibly can, because we do have an interesting topic on the back end of this. But things got kicked off with the women's elimination chamber match where the winner faces Bianca Belair at WrestleMania. We had Raquel Rodriguez 
Asuka, Liv Morgan, Nikki Cross, Natty, and Carmella. And the winner was Askana. <laughs> Asuka by name, Kana by face paint. Yeah, I think this, with the exception of who won, uh, I think went pretty much what I was expecting. I mean, I, I know I had picked Natalia to win, and she didn't. The only thing that surprised me is uh, we didn't have any big uh, sharpshooter submission spot, did we? I, th- I think they had the thing where Liv Morgan passed out because she was they were doing the uh, double submission spot that a lot of times I think WWE does too much. It's like when they do it, it's like then all of a sudden everybody does it. But, uh, I mean, other than that, there really wasn't anything I would have uh, done differently, uh, with the exception of, uh, like I said, I would I would have had uh, Natalia win. But Asuka's a very good choice, and I'm sure that'll be an interesting match at WrestleMania. It was a good match. I liked how the, the ladies got a little nasty. That's what's supposed to happen in an elimination chamber. People had their heads stuck through the chains. We got the, the top of the pod spot. We got, yeah, that, that double or, uh, submission was kind of wild. Um, I thought Natty was going to do it, and all of a sudden here <laughs> here comes was, was it the cross face at the bottom of it, or no, the, the arm bar at the bottom. Um, that's got to hurt no matter how many times it's done. It looked pretty painful. Um, I would have had Raquel win for selfish reasons and, and points, but, um, yeah, no, it was a good match. I enjoyed it. Yeah, this was not going to be a night. That was good for all Canadians, as uh, Natty did not win, as Seth predicted. But I feel like, you know, you have the crazy spot off the pod, Liv almost breaking her neck a couple of times. It, um, I don't know, they kind of built up Carmella again after her long absence, um, she's kind of working a hybrid character of two past characters, which is kind of confusing, but yet kind of cool. Cause it's a little refreshing at the same time. I would have preferred if Asuka would have came in, she was the last out of the pod, but I would have preferred if she just like went banana on everybody and just like <laughs> was ripping people's arms out. I mean, if you're going to give her the win, just give her the Shayna Baszler push. Like I said, in our predictions episode, so I got it right in terms of winner, but uh, I think I would have liked to made her a little bit stronger coming out of it. Josh, you got the points. You can't have everything. <laughs> I can only control the points. <laughs> but if I had a pencil, oh, wait, that's later. Moving on to a singles match between Bobby Lashley and Brock Lesnar. Lashley, Lesnar, three, and please let this be the end of it. Oh, you're going to get disappointed. Oh, well, given what we saw from Raw, we're not getting Lashley, Lesnar, three. We're getting Lesnar, Omos. And I don't think I could find a clip of crickets chirping big enough to get me to care about that match, but... For the brief match that it was, I thought it was great. It was a, it was a hoss fight. It was what I was expecting. I thought the finish absolutely sucked to do the blatant DQ finish. What, what was hilarious about it is everything Brock did in that finish was heelish. It was a blatant DQ finish, and then he gets angry that he's disqualified, and then he beats up uh, officials and, and all that stuff. 
But the crowd goes crazy for him because it's Brock and people like seeing Brock destroy everything. So I guess that's okay. But then we have the challenge from Omos and I'm just like, really? Because this is the type of stuff that makes me think Vince is actually getting power back because I really don't think Triple H would want to do a Lesnar-Omos match at this point. But that definitely sounds like a match that Vince would want to do because he loves people beating giants. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I figured they, they might have been doing a rematch at Mania. But, uh, boy, I, I don't know of a single person other than Vince that would want to see uh, Omos in a match with, with Brock at WrestleMania. Well, first, Seth, I got to help you out here a little bit. So there's some crickets for you. But so <laughs> considering this was a trilogy, I knew it was going to be a shorter match. We've come to expect that from from Brock matches lately. Uh, to have all that build up and then go through the match, like I'm actually happy that they put they're putting the hurt lock over and they're making it a devastating move. But come on. All that building and a quick low blow to end the match. And then, I don't know, it just didn't add up to anything interesting. Sure, Brock smashed people afterwards, but that's what Brock does. Uh, yeah, it's uh, that's really thumbs in the middle for me. That was like, eh, that was complete meh for me. Well, as far as the finish... It did suck because apparently Brock can't ever tap out to the hurt lock because he's been in it a couple times now. But I'd like to give props to Bobby Lashley or more specifically Bobby Lashley's back and torso. Brock moved one iPad off the announcer's table before F5ing Lashley through it. And damn, that looked like it hurt because Bobby hit everything that was left on that table plus the table. And I was like, oof. But uh, as far as the Lesnar Omos thing, that's what sparked controversy this week. Oh, Vince is back in power. Vince is in creative, blah, blah, blah. You don't know where it's going yet. It hasn't been made official. If anything, Brock could come out on Raw and be like, who the hell are you? F5, goodbye, and that's it. I wouldn't be sold that we're locked into this match just yet. There's five weeks left. It's hopefully just a TV plot point. But anyway, moving on, Bobby wins by DQ. And that gets us into what I felt was the most fun match of the night. The mixed tag match, the grit couple Edge and Beth Phoenix versus Judgment Day, Finn Balor and Rhea Ripley. Yeah, I I agree. This was probably the most fun match of the show. I know there are people saying they might have thought it was uh, the second best match of the night. I'm I'm not going to argue match quality. I thought the finish made sense. Uh, it did kind of, I don't want to really say it felt like a blow-off because we're probably getting a, a, a mania match between Edge and uh, Finn. But there there really wasn't anything to complain about with this match. This was one of those things that everything clicked. I think everything was 
up to snub, up to expectations. So, yeah, I uh, really have uh, nothing bad I could say about this. So, yeah, good match. Yeah, it was definitely fun. And, like, how good does, at, at what age does Beth Phoenix look? Like, she's, she looked good. She's, she delivered. It was fun. Uh, I'm glad I didn't change my pick. I was contemplating it, Josh. I just about messaged you and go, I need to change my pick to the judgment day. And it's like, nope, don't do it. You, you know, hang in there. And uh, I'm glad I didn't. Um, yeah, just, just funnel around. It's, you know, Everybody got to display their their uh, their wares, as it were. Right, you know, Finn got his spots in. You know, Rhea got some. We got the power bomb edge of all things. Uh, definitely, yeah, some fun spots in there. Everybody got uh, their stuff in. Everybody got put over a little bit. And uh, yes, please more of this, Rhea and Beth, please. Yeah, it would have made sense for Rhea to win. But she didn't take the pinfall, so I guess that's the next best thing. Beth, with her homage to Bull Nakano with the face paint, and then speaking of homages, the match ends on a shatter machine from the Revival days. And they actually called it the shatter machine, which was interesting. Yeah, I just, I love this match. I, I Again, like Jared said, Beth and Rhea, please, if Rhea wins the title, please make Beth the first feud. That would be great. Okay, thanks. Bye. We then got to the men's Elimination Chamber match for the United States title. Seth Rollins, Johnny Gargano, Bronson Reed, Montez Ford, Damian Priest, and defending champion Austin Theory who, with some help from Logan Paul, retains the title. I did think it was funny that we got the Logan Paul interference spot because we have this big chained-up structure. The The whole reason these gimmick matches exist is for there to not be interference, but yet we still have interference. And I get it. He came in while they were uh, trying to get, uh, who was it, um, I guess it was uh, Montez Ford out, I want to say. Uh, and that's how uh, Logan Paul came in. But it, it's just, it's one of those things where it's like the more, the more you think about it, the sillier it gets. Because it's like, okay, yeah, we want, uh, Logan Paul wants to have a match with Seth Rollins, or he's angry at Seth Rollins for whatever reason. So he keeps Seth Rollins from winning the title. So he he doesn't want his match with Seth Rollins to be for the U.S. title. Okay. Uh, and as far as Austin Theory himself, it's like he was a non-factor in the match up until the end. I mean, I, I know I picked him to win, so I was expecting him to win. And yes, you could say he won because of the interference. Uh, but I was a little disappointed that Austin Theory didn't play more of a role during the match. But other than those two things, which, like I said, it, it's really only silly when you try to think too much about it. But other than that, I mean, from an action standpoint, it was freaking amazing. You know, this is what, this is what we expect from Elimination Chambers. You know, we get a lot of the kind of human demolition derby spots and the uh, visual, um, the visual oohs and ahs, so to speak. So. Other than that, really not nothing to complain about. That's then in the end, I thought it still thought it was a great match. Yeah, as an elimination chamber match, it was really good. They were they were nasty, like the ladies, like I mentioned there. There's 
some wicked spots. There was some here's some plexiglass smashing. There was top of the pod stuff. There was some climbing spots, um, some multi spots. There's definitely fun to watch. Definitely fun to watch. I am, regardless of however much respect I have for Logan Paul's athletic ability, I still think he's a human piece of shit, and I never want to see him in a WWE show ever again. So that was a, a downer for me. That's definitely a thumbs down. If I was Simon Miller. Or, or a down, I guess. But yeah, uh, we all had to pick Theory because we, we knew what's going into WrestleMania. I hated to pick Theory, but again, glad I did get some points. What kind of leaves the rest of the folks kind of maybe not quite in limbo, but not exactly sure what's going on on there. Like where does where does Rollins go from here? Right after after that, we could have had uh, another good title program. But anyway, I could ramble on about that forever. The match was fine, minus the Logan Paul stuff. Just keep that shit off my PLEs. Well, unfortunately, it's going to be on the next PLE because where Rollins goes into a, is straight into a match with Logan Paul at WrestleMania. Yeah. So, yay for that. What we need to be concerned about is Johnny Wrestling. Where does he go? Because I don't even see him fitting on this WrestleMania card at all, unfortunately. Um, but I think Johnny broke out in this match. I think Bronson Reed had a good match and I think Montez Ford had a good match. Um, so I enjoyed all those performances. The end was convoluted. It was what it was. It was a heel champion taking advantage and retaining his title. So that all led us up to the main event, the undisputed WWE universal title match between Roman Reigns and Montreal's own Sami Zayn. And yes, Roman did end up retaining. There were a bunch of near falls that Roman is so good at escaping and making you bite at least twice in a match. And for the first almost five minutes, these two didn't even touch and the crowd was going apoplectic. That is great wrestling. Yeah, agreed on on all counts. The match itself up until the finish was a, a masterpiece, quite frankly. It was one of the greatest things you will ever see as a wrestling fan for drama. And I know we all picked Roman to retain. So, of course, we were correct in that prediction, but it's like after looking at the reaction on SmackDown, which aired after we made our predictions and sitting down and watching that match, uh, especially in detail with more detail the second time. Uh, I honestly believe and I would uh, debate people with this, I, I would uh, discuss this or argue with people. I honestly believe, at least in hindsight they should have ha pulled the trigger and had Sammy win and have him win the title because that night was lightning in a bottle. You're never going to get a reaction like that. I don't think Sammy's ever going to get a reaction like that ever again. And you just can't duplicate a moment like that. It, you, you just can't plan on that happening. You can't expect it to happen. Now, I'm not saying Sammy should have gone to headline WrestleMania against Cody, 
Uh, I think they could have just done something where uh, they wouldn't have Jay turn. I know he didn't turn on the show uh, anyway, but uh, they could do a rematch on a hot episode of SmackDown, and maybe that's when Jay turns, uh, screws over Sammy, Roman gets the belt back, and then that that's your story for the the tag match for night one. But I think they could they, had they given Sammy a two, three, four week reign uh, as the champion, have him get have Roman win it back, and then just gone back to the plan that we're supposed to be getting and still end the night two with Cody, Sammy and Kevin Owens all celebrating in the ring with their respective titles. I don't think it would ruin that Matt, that moment at all. I don't think there'd be people watching that saying, Oh, well, Sammy won it for a couple of weeks ago. So this, this moment's just ruined. I don't think there's any fans that are going to react that way. Maybe a couple of online fans on Twitter will react like that, but I don't think anybody of the, a paying audience live or many of the viewers that would be watching are, are going to think like that, but they did what they did. Uh, I'm sure that the match with the Usos will be great. And I'm sure the match with Cody will be great. And they'll probably still have that, that moment at the end of the night. But I think uh, certainly for Sammy's sake, and just to have that Holy cow moment, like the, uh, we we just celebrated the anniversary of it. I think the the United States winning the gold medal in in hockey in 1980. Uh, you know that that moment like that that do you believe in miracles type moment? I think they should have had Sammy win. But is it the end of the world? No. Is it going to make WrestleMania lousy? No. But I think it. They still should have done it. They still should have given him the title because it would be that extra kind of cherry on top in the in the grand scheme of stories. But the, the match was amazing. Didn't like the finish. Didn't like the convoluted thing with Jay getting speared and such. And I think it definitely took some wind out of the sails of uh, uh, Sammy's appeal. Because I, I, think, I, I don't think he benefited from the match ending the way it did. Okay, I'm done. So, so I thought about that, Seth. I'm like, he's getting a big reaction. Do they need to pull the trigger on that? And then I'm like, well, he's he's getting that monster reaction because he's in Canada. Now, if you put the belt on him and you go back on a tour through the States for for six weeks leading up to WrestleMania, is he going to get the same reaction? And I'm like, is it worth disrupting Roman's streak to do that? And I'm like, no, it's not. I can't, I can't talk myself into nine hundred and what two days at that point for for a, a hot shot essentially, and it's like I couldn't get behind that because I think at this point Roman still needs the belt to tell the story. So I didn't want to just do you know out here give Sammy and just have him lose it right away because I think even that that may even devalue Sammy even more. Just my own opinion. Mm-hmm. But the match, oh, my God, the match, um, even though we all knew, well, we all suspected Roman was going to win, this match had me believing that Sammy had a shot, and that was, that's the whole point of this. 
right? You tell the story well enough in the ring that holy God, Sammy can really do this. This is oh my god! And then Roman, like you mentioned, uh, those kickouts, those last second kickouts. How many times I thought he's going to be beat, and then you know that, that arm comes up in the last possible second. It's it's so good. Um, Post match. <sighs> Uh, I was a little bit disappointed post-match. I thought we were going to get more story, more bloodline story there. And we didn't, we, you know, we got as far as we did. And I, I thought we were going to get the J turn. Everybody been talking about that. Um, you know, get the, the beat down in Jay's going to come out and make it look like he's making the save, but no, then turns rejoins quote unquote, the bloodline. And we move on happily ever after um, that part was missing for me. But again, let's see how they follow that up on, on Friday. Maybe they tie up that end. Maybe they figure it out on Friday. But the match itself was fantastic. I, mean, I, I could watch that match over and over again. They popped for a double axe handle off the top rope. <laughs> and if One that's thing I not to mention, Josh, sorry, is how good is Roman trash talking during a match when he went out? When they spilled out, did the the token? I'm gonna mm-hmm. eat your dude up in front of his family kind of spot there. And it's like, I did this. I was doing this for you. I was trying to feed you and you know and and help your family and all this. Like so he Roman truly believes that what he's doing is is correct and 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 he put that on his hand. Like, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to my bloodline? Uh, so good. That that minute of action outside the ring was amazing. Not to mention his trash talking of the crowd. Oh. <laughs> That's all you got. I've been thinking about this all week and you got two let's go Sammy chance. Is that all? <laughs> Tremendous. Oh, or even wow. sometimes when he would uh, tweet, you know, he's like, well, now I got to uh, get out of my mansion, uh, t- take a private plane off my island. Uh, to go to uh, and then go get a limo to go to the, and so I can finally shut this idiot up or something like that. He's like talking about all this private stuff he has to book to get out of his home so he can go defend his title. <laughs> Roman is so good. So in terms of the match itself, like, like it's been stated, great. The finish I'm okay with. Roman took three halluva kicks, not consecutively, but throughout the match. And one was post-match. So, you know, it's not like Roman's not giving back or giving offense. I mean, he's taking finishers. The one thing that really doesn't pertain to this match, but it pertains to WWE on the whole and it's one of those things where once you see it, you can't unsee it. And unfortunately, it kind of ruins finishes of matches for me. I don't know if you guys know this or notice it, but when refer- when it's not the finish and the referee's doing the, the count, if he gets to two, or even she, because the female referees do it too, if this is not the finish, they go one, Two and instead of almost slapping the mat, they tuck their arm into their body real quick. So unfortunately, on every count now, I'm watching the referee. And if I see that arm curl in, I know it's not the finish. So 
it's kind of ruined finishes for me for a little bit because like i said you can't really unsee it but then you always think of the referees that are told you have to count what you see and that's how the mistakes happen by people who don't kick out or don't come and make the save when they're supposed to aside from all that the post-match stuff i think we just all made assumptions And when we weren't correct, we felt disappointed. They've got this laid out. They're not going to blow their wad, so to speak, in one night. They paced it out just as they needed to. It just wasn't to our liking. So they did bring Jay in. Roman did give him a chair. And how dumb does Roman look for turning his back again to a person with a chair even if it's his family for real, I'm like, dude, step off to the side or do something. Keep the chair in front of you. What are you doing? But, you know, Jay then can't pull the trigger, whether it's to hit Roman or to hit Sammy, he can't do it. And then he gets pie-faced by Roman, much like Sammy was the the PLE before. And then the accidental spear and apparently kills Jay because he's never to be seen or heard from again that night. And then the KO thing and the explanation on Raw was great. Uh, You know, we were expecting a hug and a reunion. And Kevin is a hurt friend who tried to save his friend and his friend didn't want saving. Everybody can relate to that. Everybody's had an experience like that. And they're going to slow build this a little more because we still have five weeks left. And... We'll get there eventually, but there's just more layers that they're uncovering, and I think they're doing a great job bringing us along for the ride. Damn, I had mute on. I actually kind of liked when um, when Roman turned his back because that gave us the, well, is Jay going to hit Roman? Is he going to hit Sammy? Right? It lined it up so we can ask ourselves that question. I didn't think it was terrible, but, yeah, no, you're you're right. I think we had expectations. I know at least I did. Um, and then we talked, you know, pre-show about how Paul and likely Roman have, have got this laid out for X amount of however long this goes. This is all pre-written already. They know what they're doing. I should just strap myself back in my chair and acknowledge my tribal chief and enjoy the ride. <laughs> Damn you. Wait a minute. You know what you're doing. Damn it. <laughs> All right. Well, that was Elimination Chamber. As far as predictions, I was four and one for 12 points. Jarrett also was four and one for 12 points. And Seth was three and two for 11 points. So the points are all close. The wins and losses were close. And so through Elimination Chamber, Jarrett and I are tied nine and one. 54 points and Seth is just one behind in the win loss eight and two, but for 38 points. So next up on the prediction scoreboard is AEW revolution, which is coming up on March 5th. So I believe if I'm not mistaken, hold on, hold on, hold on. Next week. Yeah. Next week in my calendar, I have it the week of March 6th, but it is, it's not the ninth. It's I, the I fifth, think it's right? 
Yeah, I, I think it's next Saturday. Yeah, as okay. of the night of this recording. So I'm going to have to move that up a week. So next week will be our revolution predictions. And I can tell you that the scoreboard may mix itself up and get thrown into a washing machine. And who knows what's going to get spun out because AEW is not as easy to predict as it usually used to be, I should say, back maybe a year or two ago. Uh, So that should be interesting, to say the least. Final thoughts quickly on this pay-per-view. It was definitely a thumbs-up show. I mean, even the bad stuff was still more than watchable. Even the bad stuff was pretty good. So, uh, And I know I had my rant on Sammy, but it's like, in the end, are we still going to be talking about uh, missing the opportunity with Sammy at the end of the year? Maybe not, but I'd also argue we wouldn't be talking about it much, even if Sammy did have a short title reign, so... But yeah, yeah, there, just, there was nothing bad on the show. So yeah, definitely a thumbs up show. Yeah, definitely a thumbs up for me as well. The only thing I really wasn't fond of was the the end of the Lashley-Brock match. Um, everything else uh, got a big thumbs up. So yes, enjoyed the show. And I agree with Jared. I didn't care for the ending of Brock and Bobby. Uh, RIP to Bobby's ribs. <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah other than that uh great show uh leading into the next now five weeks of television until wrestlemania our topic for this week other than predictions and results was i had given you guys an assignment of if you had the pencil in aew for one week and then in WWE for one week, what would you do? And I asked for top three answers. And I think we'll go around each one, giving each one of us giving one bullet point and then around until we get a top nine. If we get, if one is mentioned that's on your list, hopefully you have some backups and you can give us an alternate. And I will tell you this, if on your WWE list is shortening Raw from three hours to two hours, or if on your AEW list is making Rampage two hours, those are not creative decisions and those are disqualified from your list and from this master list. This is for creative direction on the show. So that being said, said we will start with seth and we're going to start with aew so seth give us one thing you would do if you were in charge of creative in aew for one week well the big thing that i would do is i would take aq from new japan and uh now uh, let me, let, actually, let me get this out of the the way early. I, one of these things, what I'm about to say here, I also had as a WWE idea. I don't know if we're allowed to have the same idea for both promotions, but it's, it's just because I think it's something that would still work even if they were different promotions, which is I would do a G1 style tournament for uh, to either establish a top contender or maybe just have it be its own thing or something that you can use to make a, a top star every year and it would would be a G one type round Robin tournament, not a single night elimination, not the type of thing you would do 
over the course of a couple episodes. It'd be round robin, so you'd have a month or two of matches um, to 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 do. You know, wouldn't have to every episode wouldn't have to be tournament matches, but it's something that would be in a reason on paper for a bunch of these matches to happen. And whether it would be for a title shot at the end or maybe be a trophy or something like that, uh, I'd have to think about more. But that that would be the big one I do is that I would do a, a G1 style tournament uh, every year. And that would be something that I would, if, if I'm trying to get somebody to that next, next level or establish somebody as a top guy, that's the type of thing you do every year to establish somebody as a uh, top champion threat would be a, a round robin tournament. So that, that's the big one I would do. Uh, yes, you can have the same idea for both promotions. There's nothing against that. Okay. So that's fair game. Jarrett, your first bullet point as head of creative for AEW for one week. My first bullet point as head of creative for AEW is to trim the roster. I was looking at <laughs> I was looking at the AEW roster page earlier of the 28 women that are on the roster page. If this is up to date, I'm going by what's published on on their public website. 10 of those 28 women have an O and O record in 2023. <laughs> 10. That's almost half looked at that. <laughs> Why are they even there? <laughs> well, how, how am I getting invested in these people if they're not even showing up on TV and having a match? So I'm, I'm cutting the roster, and I'm going to try and make everybody there for a reason. 10 of 28 women are 0-0. What the hell? I totally did not see that coming from you. <laughs> You've never mentioned anything about an inflated roster and how much it upsets you. Oh, I'm shocked. I, I, sorry, I didn't mention that earlier, and I had I had to just bust it out on you guys like that. But and you know what's sad is the <laughs> O and O takes into account dark and elevation, so that means they're not on YouTube either. Yeah, that's terrible. It's absolutely unforgivable. Well, mine is strictly about the women's division. And I would give the women's division creative over to Maria Canellis Bennett. She would be given full autonomy to add anyone to her staff from the existing AEW Ring of Honor employees. She would report to someone under Tony Khan, perhaps a Kenny Omega. Maria is a student of the game and a self-admitted and fully vouched for Paul Heyman girl. And I think from her years of experience in multiple promotions, she and her team could get more focus on the women and be able to tell those stories that are just not given the proper time in the current atmosphere. Seth, number two for you. Number two for me, uh, I think is a pretty obvious one. And they do have a lot of belts uh, in that promotion. I would probably get rid of the All-Atlantic title maybe merge it with the TNT title or whatever. But I think having three singles titles for one division, in this case, the men's division is uh, a bit much. So I'd get rid of that all, all Atlantic title and uh, just, just go with the TNT title as the, the big secondary title. Yay. Orange Cassidy doesn't have a title anymore. 
That was actually one of my backup choices if one of my three was a duplicate. So I agree with Seth. Um, and ever since Orange Cassidy's won it, it's felt completely worthless. It's not even doing what it was supposed to be doing initially, and that's being defended globally and across multiple promotions. So much like a lot of AEW ideas, they start one way and then fall flat or get forgotten about completely. So, Jarrett, your second point. My second point is <clears throat> AEW needs its own version of Roman Reigns. And it doesn't need a bloodline angle, but it needs a dominant champion with a lengthy, lengthy reign. So who is that going to be? For me, it's the Redeemer, Miro. I want to make him God in AEW. What I was thinking was perhaps maybe Moxley gets the title back in some fashion. Um, you know, we build up a program with Miro and Mox. Uh, they start brawling every week, you know, getting a little bit more nasty every every week until we get built up to this street fight, hardcore match, whatever it is. Miro beats the absolute snot out of Mox. They're both bleeding all over the place. Miro becomes champ. And Get Mox out of there. Let him go on vacation finally, right? He can <laughs> break. Um, but I, I want Miro to have like the second longest reign of this generation. If Roman makes it to WrestleMania and it's 941 days, I want Miro at 937. He can lose it the weekend before. I I give him give him a big reign. The the guy needs to be used, he needs to be used well, and he needs like nine rockets strapped to him. So that's one thing I would do. And the nice thing with doing a, a title that long is you could do a turn or maybe, maybe even a turn and a turn back, you know, whether it's a heel to a baby face or baby face to a heel or vice versa to keep that reign interesting. That's all I would add to that. Well, and when you mentioned that, Seth, like he can use the same, I think the same character would work mm -hmm. as either. Right. His exactly. Yeah. Yeah, like his, his version of this gimmick is like he, he could be cheered, he could be booed. Um, I think it would work either way. I guess that would mean he'd pray to himself then, right? <laughs> Jared, I man, uh, I'm mind blown right now because first you want to pare down the roster and now you're saying Moxley's going to bleed? I'm just full of surprises today, aren't I? I know. I've never heard of anything like this ever. <laughs> are, are you sitting down? Are you okay? I, I don't know. I had lost my balance there for a second. <laughs> but just to show how like minds think, my another one of my backups, and I'm just going to read the first sentence because that's all that needs to be read, is I would have Miro return and destroy fools week in and week out. <laughs> so that's that, you know, it, it needs to be done. Absolutely. My second point is... I would spend most of my time during my week pushing for a different head booker of AEW or a creative team to be put in place. Tony Khan doing it all by himself is not getting it done. The product is stale, boring, and repetitive in many, many aspects. You have guys like Mark Henry and Paul White, both great minds for the business who could be on the team. 
You have Chris Jericho reportedly helping with creative, but he's still an active wrestler, so you might not get his full attention on creative, at least for everybody. But there are so many things that are just not like they used to be. And you can point back to All Out and the fallout from All Out is when things started to decline, but it's not a CM Punk thing. It's not like you bring him back and everything's fixed. It's just AEW now is just people who wrestle well. Everybody's a great wrestler. There are so very few characters and none with too much story or focus or even a backstory. A lot of this stuff, they're not tying together on TV. They're saying, oh, such and such happened on YouTube. Great. Well, not everybody watches YouTube. So why do I have to put the pieces together? And why do I have to figure this out for myself? You should be telling me on television every week. You need to get people emotionally invested in these characters. And like Jared said, they need their own Roman Reigns. Well, everybody's invested in Roman because it's such an intricate story. They have no stories. And if they do, they're very few. And a lot of this stuff gets forgotten. The main example, aside from Miro, is they were doing vignettes on Powerhouse Hobbs every week, going back to his old neighborhood and telling you all about Powerhouse Hobbs. When was the last time he was on, he or a vignette was on TV? I'd venture to guess about six weeks now. They were doing the story and then they just forgot about it and dropped it. So they need more people to be held responsible other than Tony Khan. Cause it's just, it's not happening and just things are not clicking. And I'm watching dynamite. Like I watched raw a couple of years back full on fast forward mode. So it's a shame that it's gotten to that point, but, uh, that would be what I would change is if, if Tony doesn't want to give up the job, then he needs a team around him. And that that's a great point, Josh. And for me, that ties into the roster. You can't possibly get all of those people on TV. And when you do, they're just putting them in and out. They show up with no warning, with no explanation. And then they're gone, right? Like you just, you can't get invested in people that way. And that's for me. That's a big thing. That's hurting. And my my viewing of AEW has gone from fast forwarding to I read the show description and like you know oh that's a match I wouldn't mind seeing. I go find the match and I watch it. Otherwise, I just delete the recording. I'm not even spending time on it right now. Yeah, and that's it's it's bad. I mean, even my neighbor who is not a hardcore fan like us, but he watches the product and now he can't even watch AEW. I have to tell him if something cool happens so he can go pull it up on the DVR and watch it back because it's just not doing anything for him anymore. And I'm in the same boat almost. I mean, there's some people who I like and if they're doing something cool, I will watch. And if it's not, then I don't. I mean, it's just, it's brutal. So. Yeah, you know, the bloated roster, no help on the creative, or at least it doesn't appear that way. Things are getting forgotten and dropped, 
and and the repetitive nature of it all. Like I'd mentioned in the pre-show, MJF's feuds all operate the same way. He doesn't want to be involved in a match. He says if he's going to give them a match, they got to go through all these hoops first. Then the person passes all the hoops. Then we get the match. I mean, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. He did it with Cody. He did it with Jericho. He did it with Brian Danielson now. I mean, oy. all right. I don't want to go oh, too some, far. Some, something, to, something to add to that, if you don't, if you don't mind. Sure. Uh, it it kind of goes back to, to Sammy getting the, the title, like what I was saying, is uh, because the story with Sammy and Roman goes back about a year, two years if you factor in the Kevin Owens stuff. The storyline for Cody is, I won the Rumble, and you are the champion. That's the extent of the the, the, the story for, for Mania. I, I, I think it's another reason why I think Sammy could have won, is you you can cap off the that that part of the story. And then transition to, to so that just that just kind of popped in my head when you were talking about uh, long stories and things getting repetitive. Um, so anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I, I I'm agreeing with you is what I'm saying is that they, that's the type of thing that they can add to certain stories to spice things up. Okay, Seth, your third and final point for AEW. Well, uh, the third thing that I would do, and I know I this is a once a year thing. I know you said if we had control for a week, but once a year, and this is going to sound uh, similar because uh, WWE claims to do it, but uh, once a year I would do a uh, Ring of Honor versus AEW pay-per-view type thing. It doesn't may, may not necessarily be the champions going after each other, but you could do just some sort of super card, maybe with uh, still on heels versus faces as far as who's facing each other. You could have AEW guys team up with Ring of Honor guys against Ring of Honor or AEW guys. Basically kind of similar to like what they, they do with Forbidden Door. Just do it as an AEW versus Ring of Honor show. So that that's my third there is I do a... Uh, uh, super card AEW versus Ring of Honor show each year because Tony Khan owns both promotions and he has control over them both so he can control who wins. Okay, Jarrett, your third and final point on AEW creative. I'm, I'm kind of doing some long-term things even though the the pencil's for the week, but I'm going to lay the groundwork for it to happen anyway. Um, as, as part of going back to, to trimming the roster, I'm getting rid of all the groups, right? I was... Again, looking through the, the the roster page, and you see, you know, I'll say Chris Jericho of the Jericho Appreciation Society, and you start going through all of that. I counted 10 groups, and maybe I might have got a tag team name in there, so um, mistakenly, but I counted 10. That's that's too much. So what I would like to do and, and take advantage of the group mentality is I would keep um, the Blackpool combat club but i would have i would form another group and and not an invasion angle or not an nwo thing but i would actually just have a good old-fashioned gang war and have a long uh, set up a long-term uh program between the two groups um loser disbands the other one gets to remain as the as the the, the big faction or the the head faction of the of the promotion and we move on without all these little groups interspersed all across the promotion that really have nothing to do with each other. 
a faction tournament, win and you're in, lose and you disband forever. <laughs> Hashtag the Iconics. <laughs> Stupid Vince booking. <laughs> anyway. Okay. Not, Josh, you're not booking at all, are you? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. So before I get to my third and final, I would just like to state that most of my backup options were on each of your lists. So just to recap, uh, number four was I would get rid of the All-Atlantic Championship. Number five, I would split the roster into AEW and Ring of Honor stars. Uh, Six, the only thing that wasn't mentioned was uh, something has to be done to tie together Dark Elevation and their multiple YouTube series so that they factor in onto weekly television or making them more prominent or something. And then seven, of course, was the Miro thing. So all of my thoughts were thought by all three of us. Uh, my third and final is I would get back to using the standings and how wins and losses matter and using that gimmick. The rankings were originally so important, and now I feel like they've gotten away from that. It provided fresh matchups, and it made higher stakes in those matches. AEW is relying too heavily on the WWE method of someone or some team asks for a title shot and they just get one. What happened to the top five being released on Twitter every week by AEW and they're promoting, oh, number five is taking on number three for a chance to jump up the rankings and they've gotten completely away from that. And now, you know, we get, a team like Jeff Jarrett and Jay lethal and just ask for a shot and they get one. And it's just, it's insane. So to avoid some of the repetitive repetitiveness and some of the staleness and not just asking for title shots, I'd bring back the rankings gimmick and stick to that. Yeah. So, I had it running completely separate from ROH as well, but I figured that would kind of be summarized in my once a year I'd do an AEW ROH show. You know, try to imply that they'd be they'd be separate, but I don't know. Those, those are all good ideas, though. All right. Well, sadly, based on my feelings on the promotion, we could have done like a top twenty-five things to fix in AEW. <laughs> but let's shift over to the dub WWE. If you had the pencil, what would you do, Seth? Number one. <laughs> Okay. Well, the first thing I would do is I would get rid of the brand-specific championships. No Raw Women's Champion, no Raw Tag Champion, or anything like that. I I, uh, I would have championships, and I would have championships that are exclusive to brands, but I wouldn't call them by the brand. Yeah, whether it's World, whether it's Universal. Uh, so you could have the WWE tag team. You could have the the uh, uh, the the women's champion, the WWE women's champion on one brand, and then the uh, no, um, let, let me let me scratch that. I got ahead of myself here. Um, I'd have I'd still have one world champion, one tag champion. And that will go for 
men and women as well. There will be one WWE women's champion, one male WWE champion, one tag champion. And then I would do the IC and US titles. Those would be the brand specific ones. But that would also mean I would create a secondary women's champion for each brand as well. So there might be a women's intercontinental champion or a women's US champion for the uh, the brands. But I would just I'd take I'd get rid of the brand names being on the championships because I just I just think that's silly. Well, that and they look like giant pennies and giant nickels too. But um, I, I would just stick to the WWE or the universal title name or the IC and US title, and then just have uh, one world champion across all brands for for each division, which to be fair, they kind of already have with the bloodline, but I think you get what I mean. You know, it'd be the same with the women's as well. All right, Jarrett, your first point for WWE creative. Well, I'm going to give you another shocker, Josh, that my first point is the same as my point in AEW. I'm going to trim the roster. Now that's they, interesting they, because they have quite a few less than AEW. They, but they, they do have people that still can't get on TV. So they, they do. I was watching there. I can't remember whether it was SmackDown last week or whether it was Raw this week. I saw Akira Tozawa showed up, and I'm like, "Where the hell has this guy been? I haven't seen him on TV, and I can't remember the last time I saw him." Oh, he's been on main event, which I don't watch main event either. I just heard he was on main event. Yeah. So I, I'm doing that. I'm again. I'm creating a roster that I can get on TV and get people to get invested in. Yeah. And then they bring back people and then they forget to book them as well. Like what the hell happened to Tegan Knox? Yeah. And, and you know, this is not a creative thing, but just speaking in general, they need an injury list. Cause if somebody's missing, cause they're injured, I'd like to know. Cause then I know you didn't forget about them. They're just injured. But anyway, was that the conclusion of your first bullet point is just true? Yeah, I, I didn't need to belabor it anymore, but <laughs> yeah, same thing, you know, different brand. <laughs> Copy paste. Yeah. And that applies to the people. <laughs> no pasting though, just cut. cut, cut. Just cutting. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My first point is I would merge the WWE women's tag team titles with the NXT women's tag team titles. I would then double the field for the 2023 dusty classic tournament from eight teams to 16 teams and matches would be held with talent from raw SmackDown and NXT matches would be televised on raw SmackDown and NXT weekly current WWE women's tag team champions, damage control and current women's uh, NXT women's tag team champions, Fallon Henley and Kiana James would receive a first round bye. the winner of the tournament becomes the undisputed WWE women's tag team champions with new belts. And these belts would be treated like the origin story of the women's tag team titles where they can be defended on any WWE show and are also required to be defended twice a month at minimum. I like. So that's my first point. Mm -hmm. All right, Seth, point number two. Point number two, uh, I would, uh, I'm kind of taking a lead from the AW of old here, like what you're talking about. But I would uh, do a 
one loss record thing for the the people on the site when you look it up, but I would also add in any house show victories or losses. So you can uh, add that to house shows mattering. Um, Because I'm sure there's fans that that do that at some point. I know there's like, what is it, like Cage Match or something like that, cagematch.net, where they track wins and losses even through uh, house shows for for talent. But I would uh, get a a one-loss record going for the talent for all the WWE shows and include house shows on those records as well. Goldberg is 137 and 0. How the hell did that happen? Oh, we run 16 shows a week. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, that was actually my number four. That was my first backup plan was borrowing the ranking system from AEW. All right, Jarrett, your second point. This may be on your list, Josh, but I, I talked about putting like nine rockets on Miro. I got to put just as many rockets on Rhea Ripley and just make sure she is dominant. She's powerful. She's a badass. She crushes a lot of people and she has a nice, healthy, long reign. That is not on my list because I feel like we're already moving in that direction. So, yeah, but I'm scared that. You know, she beats Charlotte, and then there's some repercussions, and Charlotte's going to piss and moan and whine and get another match, and then things may get undone on a, on, on on my watch. <laughs> she gets a long title reign. Or or she does beat Charlotte, and Charlotte just wins it back at the next pay-per-view, and then that makes her even closer to the record, to breaking her father's record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No thanks. All right, my second point is I would move the Money in the Bank ladder matches back to WrestleMania and rebrand the Money in the Bank PLE into something else. We need less gimmick match-inspired PLEs, and they've already reportedly done that with Hell in a Cell, and I think this would be the next best place to continue. This way, WrestleMania doesn't need a worthless get-everyone-on-the-show segment or matches. By having two Money in the Bank ladder matches on the card, one on each night, it gets more people booked for the show with actual stakes on the line. So night one is men or women, and then night two is the other one. But move Money in the Bank back to WrestleMania. I like that. Yep. Yep, I like like it too. Uh, One change that I would make to a... PLE or whatever you want to call them. It's just, it's just difficult to say PLE. You say them plural, it's like you're trying to be polite. You're you're asking please. But uh, uh, Night of Champions. I don't know if they when last time they've done that, but uh, I know that that was the thing where it was all the championships were on the line in one night. I would do for Night of Champions what they have done in the past for Survivor Series which is that's when I would put the brand champions against each other, where you might have uh, the champion from one brand against another one. And I know I already said I would decrease the number of championships, but you you would still have a U.S. champion for each brand, an IC champion or an IC champion and uh, maybe a U.S. champion and such. So you could still do that. And the titles wouldn't be on the line, of course. But it would be the uh, 
top stars of one brand against the top stars of another brand. And I would return the Survivor Series to the uh, having most of the matches be the, uh, sur- the traditional Survivor style matches. Cause, and then there would be stories for uh, each of those developments. And I guess that's probably two or more things I just put into one, but uh, that would the, summarize it. I would just make, I would make Night, Night of Champions brand versus brand instead of Survivor Series. According to Wiki, last event of Night of Champions was 2015. Wow. Eight years ago. Well, okay. Well, again, because they they started having a Survivor Series have that format. So that's probably why they stopped doing Night of Champions. Jarrett, you're number three. I have a really simple one. Put a title on Raquel Rodriguez. Stat. Jarrett, booking his favorites since 2023. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, my number three is I would create more opportunities for character development. I would look into more vignettes. I would tie things into social media more, especially videos. This would immensely help fill the three hours of raw wherever there's holes instead of putting out garbage. Uh, It would help the audience be able to connect to characters they don't get to see on a regular basis. Or is someone injured? They can benefit from this too. I know they love to build to the big return pop from injury, but at the same time, let's get to know these characters more. So fleshing out the characters, use vignettes, use social media, use the resources that you have available to you and make me care about more than just the main event angle. In in Josh's world, a week is six months. <laughs> I, I just write the, I took notes and I leave them for Paul when I'm done. And I say, here, do good things. <laughs> And my bonus one, just for a selfish standpoint, is I would bring back Saturday night's main event. Have it in the 1030 spot on Channel 5, just like the good old days. Usurping Saturday Night Live four times a year, once a quarter. My leftover ones, uh, I still had the G1 type tournament thing for WWE and I had a a tag league type thing. And then the other ones were mainly kind of like what... uh, Jared had said about strapping the rocks to specific people. Like uh, for me, for AW at least, uh, I would definitely put in motions for Adam Cole to be the top babyface in the company. Maybe they're doing that. But one of the things that AEW needs right now, there's there's two things really. They need a top babyface, some some kind of uh, fresh face or fresh blood, you might say in the top baby face spot and they need a hot angle. They already got the heel stuff covered with uh, MJF. They got that side of it. Uh, well, but they need a top baby face that they can strap the rocket pack to who will be their top guy for the next three to five years. I think Adam Cole can do it. That's he'd, he'd be my choice, but um, even if it's not him, they, they need, they need to have somebody take that top baby face position that, isn't in the elite and isn't one of the guys that's looked at as being a WWE signee. Anything on your list, Jarrett, that we didn't mention? Yeah. I, one of my other mentions was, um, put a rocket on, on Gunter 
<laughs> he, he's going to have a world title at some point. Um, and I did talk about some bloodline stuff and how I wanted it to end. And I've, I've kind of gotten behind the idea of, of Jay being the one to beat Roman. Um, that would be a pretty historic thing and uh, an interesting completion of the turn and some nice full circle storytelling. So um, I don't have it written out in, in long, long form and how I would accomplish that, but it's an idea I think I might run with. Jared's not handing out pencils. Jared's handing out rockets. <laughs> yes. I, I got uh, me and SpaceX are uh, tied to the hip. One thing I wanted to do for AEW is dethrone Jade Cargill, but I can't come up with a woman to do it based on their current roster. I would have to have it happen at Forbidden Door, and I'd have to have it be Mercedes Monet, as things currently stand right now. But I, I, they haven't built up anybody unless Britt gets suddenly interested in the TBS t- title. I don't know where they go with her, but that would be something I would figure out stat. Well, you could see that working on paper because Jamie's the world champion. So they, they don't have women's tag champions, so you might as well uh, give Britt the, uh, the secondary title. All right. Well, that was good booking. Too bad we don't have, well, maybe we do have ears that are listening, but if any of this stuff turns up on television, we've got documented uh, recordings that it was our idea, damn it. <laughs> <clears throat> so next week, as we had stated earlier, we will be doing our predictions for AEW Revolution. And... We will see how we do with our first AEW pay-per-view of the year. And interestingly enough, how they will do with their first pay-per-view of the year. So once again, thank you for listening, downloading, and subscribing. And we will talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can subscribe to the Wrestling Brethren podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast fix to hear the latest discussion from the Wrestling Brethren. You can visit us at TWBpodcast.com for posts and episodes. Visit the mothership, if you will, at BehindTheSquaredCircle.com, home of the Behind the Squared Circle podcast network. Let us know your thoughts, questions, and comments on Twitter at TWBP Show, on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash Behind the Squared Circle, and on Instagram at The Wrestling Brethren. You can follow Jared on Twitter at The Bacon Rev. You can follow Seth at Lord Zandrax, and you can follow Josh at Southpaw Josh. Thank you again for listening, and we will talk to you again soon with more from The Wrestling Brethren.